hello, Abundant Life Church. My name is Aaron Walton. I am the Happy Valley Campus Pastor. And for all of you watching from our Sandy, Vancouver, or our online campus, thank you so much for being a part of our service today. And thank you so much for being a part of our church family. Last week, we started a new message series called On Mission, where we have an opportunity to explore and answer the question, why does ALC exist? Why does Abundant Life Church exist? What is our purpose? What is the mission that God has given us? What does he want us to do? And who does he want us to be? You know, over this last year, it's been crazy, right? And a lot of change and a lot of transition, not only in our leadership here at ALC, but obviously in the world with everything that's going on uh, because of the pandemic. And I know that individually, we've been going through a lot of things. Like every single one of us has had a tough, difficult journey. And through all that, we took advantage of the opportunity that we feel like God gave us as a church just to pause, to reflect and ask the question, God, why do we exist? What do you want us to do? What kind of church do you want us to be? And through a lot of prayer and discernment, we came up with three critical truths that we as a church want to embrace in order for us to live on mission. So let me answer the question of why does ALC exist? And here's why. ALC exists to inspire people to follow Jesus, to love one another, and give ourselves for our neighbor. Wherever you're watching from, just give me a real quick amen. Today, I get the awesome opportunity to speak on that second truth, love one another. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 13. We're going to be just looking at the first five verses of this chapter as it gives us one of the many beautiful images and illustrations of what it looks like to love one another. So if you have your Bibles, again, follow along. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. Now, a couple quick observations from this part of the scripture. First off, some of you might be beyond disgusted <laughs> with this story. This might be one of your least favorite moments, right? Of Jesus. You're like, hey, Jesus, I don't mind if you raise people from the dead. I don't mind if you spit in the, in the ground and make mud and put it on people's eyes, but touching people's feet? Oh, please, no, thank you. I had one of my best friends in college. Her name is Naomi. She hated anybody looking at or touching her feet. She wanted no one to get near, and we weren't allowed to touch her feet. Four years, I tried to touch her feet to no avail. So if this story is a little bit weird to you, I apologize. But for me, this is one of my favorite moments in the life of Jesus, one of my favorite all-time moments in the ministry of Jesus Christ. So come, a couple quick observations just in this text. Number one, I love how John describes kind of the state of Jesus as he leads into this moment, as he gets ready and prepared for 
a pretty intense next couple days. And it says in verse three that Jesus knew full well his, the authority that God had given. He knew where he'd come from and he knew where he was going. In this moment, Jesus was fully aware of his identity as the son of God. You know, this is something that we talk a lot about in church of, do you know who you are? Do you know your identity as a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you know your talents, your gifts, your passions? Do you know your purpose? Do you know why you exist and why God has placed you in this earth? And I love the example of Jesus that he did. He knew full well. He had full understanding of the authority that God had given him. He knew where he had come from. He knew where he was going. And in that moment of assurance or confidence and trust, we see kind of the overflow, kind of the natural next step of what happens when Jesus truly knew who he was and his purpose for this earth. The second thing that I love about this small passage of scripture is Jesus's awareness kind of of the moment, right? It says in verse one, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and to return to his father. For those of you that don't know, this story happens basically in Holy Week or the Passion Week or the, the week leading up to Easter. And so what's happening right now is basically the Thursday night of that Easter week where Jesus is having his last supper with his disciples. Later that night, he will be arrested. Uh, later on that next day, he will be put on trial and then crucified and buried. And so this is kind of this moment where Jesus stops and re recognizes that my time with these disciples, the, this group of people that I have been living life with, walking through all kinds of different challenges, doing some incredible ministry with, it's coming to a close. And so Jesus in that awareness, again, full awareness of his identity and then full awareness of this moment that's going to pass soon, he makes a choice to show intentional love to his disciples. I love how the scripture says that Jesus loved his disciples. I mean, we all know that Jesus loved his disciples, right? Because he's Jesus. But I love how the scripture says he loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end. And so in that awareness of who he was, in that awareness of the moment, he shows an intentional act of love for these people that God placed in his life. And he does it through the intentional act of foot washing. Here's a picture for those of you that don't know what foot washing is. Uh, it's an ancient Near Eastern uh, custom during the time of Jesus, basically of, of hospitality. And so the, the basic idea during the time of Jesus was that most of the roads were all dirt roads, right? And the, the normal footwear, the, the common apparel of footwear for individuals during this time were sandals. So you take dirt road and you take sandals and you put them together, what do you get? You get some dirty, grimy, ugly, disgusting feet, right? Like just feet that have been worn out and are just coated with dust and dirt. And so one of the things that you could do as a host, as if you invited someone into your home, was that as they entered in, they would see a basin full of water and they would see a towel. And then you had the opportunity just to say, hey, you can wash your feet as you come in. A nice gesture of a host to do for your guests. And I love what Jesus does here, right? And Jesus does this all throughout his ministry. He takes some of the most ordinary objects. He takes some of the most menial tasks. He takes some of the most run-of-the-mill, ordinary type things in our life, and he changes them and he transforms them into something beautiful. 
He changes them into something incredible. He takes the towel and he takes the basin, something that was the job of a servant or a slave, something that was so menial, so low on the priority list of a host. And he takes that and he gets on his knees and he washes the feet of his disciples. He takes a minute and does the task of a servant. Why? Because he loved them and he wanted to show that love to each and every one of them, even the one that was going to betray him. So let me ask you a question today. Does your life reflect the towel and the basin? Are you living in such a way? Do you treat people in such a way that truly reflects, that truly allows the idea of of foot washing, the towel and the basin to be reflective in your life? Are you someone who seeks for opportunities to love one another. And maybe the bigger question is asked that to of our church. Are we as a church reflecting the towel and the basin in how we do things, in the ministries that we're all about, in all of the stuff that comes into being a part of a church? Do we have the towel and the basin as representative of who our core is, the identity of our church? You see, I think that there has been a gift that the church has been given over this last year. Now, again, don't get me wrong. It's been crazy. It's been heartbreaking. There's been a lot of difficult moments, but I believe God has given the church a gift over this last year. And it's to take a second to pause and ask the question, God, why do we exist? Why have you called us to be a community of believers following you? What is the purpose of our church? And so again, ask this question, are we a people? Are we a community? Are we a church that knows our identity? We know why God has sent us to this earth. We know why we have gathered together. Do we recognize how precious life is and how quickly things can change and how things we take for granted can be taken away from us in an instant? In the understanding of our identity and in the understanding of how precious life and how quickly things can change, Do we look for ways to show intentional love to the people that God has placed in our lives, whether they are friends, family, people that we care for, or the stranger or the neighbor that we have yet to meet? See, I think this is the natural result, the natural next step that happens when we follow Jesus. Pastor Aaron Baker last week talked about the importance, the critical truth that we are called to inspire people to follow Jesus. That's one of the biggest, most important things of why we gather together at each of our campuses online. It doesn't matter. We want people to experience and meet Jesus Christ, to invite him into their lives as their personal Savior and Lord. And when that happens, the natural consequence, the result is a transformation of the inside of all of us, the way we think, the way we act, the way we treat others, and Because of the the example that we see in Jesus, we now have the courage and the empowerment now to take his gospel and share it with the world and to intentionally show love, care, encouragement, affirmation for the people that God has placed in our life. We here at ALC are a church who is committed to providing opportunities, environments where we can just walk through life together. I mean, if there's something we've learned over this last year is that life is better together. That's why we do life groups and Bible studies. That's why we look for ways to serve 
in the church, outside of the church, around the world, in our community. That's why having a cup of coffee sometimes is one of the greatest things just to sit down and talk to someone. Why do we gather together for Sunday or services or wherever we might gather is because we want to live life together. We want to walk through this faith journey together. It is that important based on the foundation of love and relationships. You know, one of my favorite things during the pandemic was when we would have the online services and I could get on and get onto the online chat and say hi to everybody who was, who was logging on to watch the service. It was one of my favorite things because sometimes there'd be like 20 people all at the same time saying, hi, hello. And I was trying to say hi to every single one of them. I always try to beat the other pastors. I always try to write it so fast that I go, hey, Dan, how you doing? Hey, Phil, how's it going? Hey, Peggy, how's it going? Like, I just loved it because even in a pandemic, even when things were distant, even when things were online, we were still connected as a community. If you're watching online right now, don't be afraid to get on that chat and give a shout out to our online campus pastor, Pastor Aaron, because she is amazing. We are a community built through love and relationships and through the ability for us to love one another. God is forming us into a family. You know, if you're new to the church or if you're visiting or if this is just something that you're watching kind of in your free time, just checking this out, I just want to invite you to consider coming and being a part of our church family. I'm not asking you to be a church member. I'm not asking you to attend regularly. I'm asking you to do something more. I'm asking you to be a part of our church family. That's why we are here. That's why we exist. If you're at our campuses at Sandy and Vancouver, you have an incredible team there, some incredible people at those campuses that would love to welcome you with open arms into this family. Pastor Bryce, Pastor Jen, all of the other ministers and leaders at those campuses, they are ready. They would love to have you a part of their campuses. This is why we exist. I want to give you some practical next steps of how we can live out this idea, this truth of loving one another. But before we get to the how, I need to break down the why. Why do we love each other? So I'm going to give you three truths, three challenges that I believe is why God has given us as his church and his community this challenge to love one another. So number one, why do we love each other is to celebrate the image of God in each other. Now, I think this is one of the most important things for us to really understand because one of the truths that I believe, one of the things that I see in scripture is that everybody, every human being, every human soul has been created in the image of God, that they have worth and they have value, that God looks down on every single one of you and considers you and claims you as his beloved. And our responsibility as the church, as followers of Jesus Christ is to celebrate that to remind people about that who have forgotten. Those that have been beaten and bruised by this world, we have an opportunity to celebrate the image of God, their worth, their value, respecting, no matter where they come from, no matter what they look like, no matter what choices they've made, our responsibility is to celebrate the essence of God and the love that is inside of each and every one of us. You know, my favorite musical of all time, Favorite musical of all time is one you probably never heard of. It's called Man of La Mancha. It is the greatest musical I have ever heard. Every time I see it, every time I watch it on stage, it just brings me to tears. It is so good. The basic idea, the basic story of Man of La Mancha is there's this older guy 
who in his later years becomes a little disillusioned with the world and a little disillusioned with his own life. And so he begins to see himself as a knight, a knight errant, sally forth, going into this world to right all wrongs. And so he goes and he sees a windmill, but what he actually sees is a giant and he fights that giant as he tries to protect the innocent in his community. He heads to this rundown, disgusting looking tavern, but what he sees is a castle. He interacts with the innkeeper of that tavern, but what he sees is the Lord of his manor. And this is who it is. He calls himself Don Quixote de la Mancha, a knight who is going out to protect those that need to be protected, to love and care for the weak and to take things and find justice as best that he can and care for those in need. And so the beautiful part of the story, that the core part of the story is the relationship that Don Quixote builds with a servant girl at that tavern named Aldonza. I mean, basically she's a kitchen scullion maid, right? Like all she does is take care of the, the men who come into this town, come into that tavern. She cooks for them, feeds them food, waits on them, picks up after them, cleans after them. And without getting too graphic, she uh, is there for their pleasure as well. And when you see her, she's just beaten up and bruised and like just life has definitely given her a hard, uh, a hard pass. And it's just really difficult. Here's a picture of uh, the production of Man La Mancha that I actually got to be a part of when I was uh, in college. This picture of Eldonza and Don Quixote. Um, I was actually a stand-in for one of the shows, just, just to let you know. Uh, ironically, I was the barber. That was my title. Come to find out, that's the biggest joke of my life later on. Um, but it's, again, so, so this, this whole thing happens, okay? So Don Quixote comes into this town. And he locks eyes with Eldonza. Again, dirty, just grimy, just angry. She's tough. She's rough. Life has beaten her and bruised her. And she doesn't take anything from anybody. And he sees her. And he is just in awe of her. He thinks she's the most beautiful woman that she has ever seen in her entire life. He is just awestruck. And he goes up and he says, Dear maiden, what is your name? And she says, my name's Aldonza. And she says, that is not your name. You are Dulcinea, which means sweetness, which means maiden, which means beautiful lady. And she looks at him. She's like, no, that's not my name. My name is Aldonza. There's a whole song that she sings where she's like, I was born in a dung heap. I will die in a dung heap. She thinks he is crazy. She is like, I'm worth nothing. I have nothing to offer you. I know all that you care about is what all men care about. Get away from me. I want nothing to do with you. But Don Quixote does not give up. And he continues to just pursue after Dulcinea, fighting for her, defending her, trying to honor her, not trying to get anything other than he, is, she is think, he thinks she is so beautiful that he wants to do everything that he can to honor her, protect her, and serve her. He sings this song, I see heaven when I see you, Dulcinea. And so as the journey and the relationship continue, the best part of this whole musical is at the end. When Aldonza is talking to uh, another one of their friends, his name is Sancho, and uh, Don Quixote has just passed away. And they look at each other and they don't know what to do. And Sancho says to um, Aldonza, what are we going to do, Aldonza? And she looks at him and she says, don't call me Aldonza. My name 
is dull, senea. See, this is the responsibility, the awesome responsibility of the church for us to look for ways to celebrate the image of God in each other. This is how we respond to prejudice, racism, apathy, despair. This is our role in the world that is tearing itself apart, that is so filled with hate and anger, so much division. We can celebrate the image of God in each other as we learn how to love one another. Number two, why do we love each other? To see and experience the kingdom of God. See, when we say kingdom of God here in the church, what we really mean is we really want to just see heaven meet earth. We want to see all of the goodness of who God is, all of the beauty of who Jesus was show up here and now in this world. Michael Frost, the the author, says it this way. The Celtics speak of thin places where the fabric that separates heaven and earth are so thin that it makes almost translucent and one is able to encounter the joy and the peace of heaven. When we love one another, when we look for ways to encourage each other, to affirm, to come alongside those that are lost and scared and frustrated, we begin to see the kingdom of God take place. We see heaven meeting earth. We encounter joy and peace, the joy and peace of heaven when we care for each other. And we begin to see this is the life worth living. Number three, why do we love each other? To fully embrace the identity of Jesus. We won't experience all that Jesus has for us without each other. Like it's one of the key essential parts of experiencing everything that comes with a relationship with God, with a relationship with Jesus is through the way that we treat each other, through the love that we show and the compassion that we have and the care that we show for the people God has placed in our life. Personal growth, the greatest of joys, calling and purpose, all of that is founded in the way that we connect and treat others around us. Trying to follow Jesus without loving one another is like trying to watch a movie without the musical score. It just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't feel right, right? Have you ever watched a movie without the musical score? No, you probably haven't. One of the the classic movies out there, right, is the movie Rocky. I'm sure you've seen it, right? And one of the scenes in Rocky is the training scene, right? The one that we all remember, where he's out there, he's hitting the meat or chasing the chickens or running through the streets of you know, Philadelphia. And you know he starts running, he hits those stairs, right? And you begin to hear that music. Come on, sing with me at the campuses. I mean, come on. And when you see that scene and you hear that music and you watch him run and he gets up to the top of the stairs, you're like, yes, let's do this, man. You got this. You root for him. You're excited. You're ready to go. But without that music, the scene's just not quite the same. Here, watch this. Trying To follow Jesus without loving one another is like trying to watch a movie without the musical score. It just doesn't quite make a lot of sense. Okay, so that's that's the the why. Now I want to give you the how. I want to give you four real simple steps, four simple practices that each and every one of us can do this week to truly express and live out this truth of loving one another. Number one, create intentional moments with others. Look for ways 
to tell people that you care for them. The people in your life that you love, tell them that you love for them. Find moments of just small moments of affirmation, encouragement, of celebrating who they are. That's all sometimes we need to do. It doesn't have to be drastic, big, or crazy. Sometimes it can be the smallest of things. One of my favorite places on the face of the planet is the Starbucks on Sunnyside, right there off 147th and Misty. Love that Starbucks. Here's a picture of me uh, when I was, uh, for the first time uh, in over a year, was able to have a meeting at this Starbucks. So awesome, so cool. Um, And so one of the things I like to do when I go to a Starbucks is I really try to just thank and celebrate the baristas. Because I think being a barista is a really difficult job. Some of the orders that people give are crazy. There's someone on staff at our church. She has like a five-line Starbucks order with all these details. It blows my mind when I see them. And I also think it's really hard to deal with people before they get their coffee, right? And that's what baristas have to do every day. They have to deal with the majority, the masses, before they receive their cup of joe. And so every time I go to a Starbucks, I always just try to take a second and look at the barista and say, hey, I think you're awesome. Thank you so much for what you do. I could not do your job. You are amazing. So this time that I went to Starbucks for the first time in over a year, I did that. I walked up, ordered my drink, just thanked the barista, said, I think you're awesome. Went down, sat down, waited for my meeting. A couple minutes later, that same barista comes up to me and she gives me this. Um, this picture of this, the picture of a, of a brownie that she had heated up and she wrote, we appreciate you. And I looked at her and I said, what, what, are, you t- what are you talking about? What do, what do you mean? Like, what's going on? Uh, she's like, well, you were just so nice. I just wanted to do something nice back. See, I think this is what it's all about, guys. It doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It's just making intentional moments with people. It's just celebrating who they are. It's just saying thank you and having a moment, looking at someone in the eyes and saying, you're awesome. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for what you do for me. Is there anything I can do for you? And there's beautiful moments that can take place because of it. Second thing I would encourage you to do is learn people's stories. Like go out, have cups of coffee, invite people over, but not have any secret hidden agenda. Just learn people's stories. Just have conversations with them. The third one is just as important. Listen and ask questions. Have conversations with people and just connect with them. Find out who they are. My, one of my favorite comedians is Brian Regan. And one of the things, one of the sketches he has is, beware the me monster. The people that are all about me, me, I, I, me, me. You know those people. You, you might be one of those people. When you connect with someone, when you have a conversation, learn the art of listening. Learn the art of asking questions. Just learn people's stories. And number, and number four, wash someone's feet. Look for tangible ways that you can care and love those around you and go beyond just words and actually look for ways that you can actually tangibly do something for someone, for a service. I tell this to my kids all the time. I tell my girls, just wash each other's feet today. And they roll their eyes and they groan and say, oh, dad, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, look for ways to care for each other, to help each other. Take out the dishes from the dishwasher without anybody asking you. Listen to mommy the first time, not the fourth time, but listen to her the first time. Just look for small ways that you can intentionally show love to the people in your life, just as Jesus showed love to his disciples. 
So today I want to practice that. And for me, one of the um, many spiritual practices that I have attempted to do in my life uh, is actually that of foot washing. And it's one of my things that I've done in a lot of different contexts. I've traveled to Bangladesh and uh, was a part of a youth ministry conference there, spoke at that. And at the end, we were able to wash uh, the feet of the students that went there. I've gone downtown Portland and underneath the Burdenside Bridge, been able to participate in Night Strike, Bridgetown Ministries, and be able to wash the feet of those um, that are living outdoors and don't have a home. And at my church growing up, we would do a Monday, Thursday service every Easter week, every Passion Week, and we would separate guys and girls, and we would just spend time washing each other's feet. And so today, I want to wash the feet of someone that I love, and someone that I care for, and someone who I think is pretty awesome. So Kyle, you want to come up? Go ahead and take off your shoes, buddy. I just want to tell you about my friend Kyle. Um, Kyle here, uh, I, I get to work along and serve alongside on staff here. And uh, like I said, he's one of my favorite people on the face of the planet. Uh, he works in our communications, graphic arts, uh, worship ministries team, and he is one of the essential aspects of what we do here. We could not do these services. We could not do what we do here on Sunday without you, Kyle. And he hates being up here, by the way. He just absolutely hates being up there. So this is really an act of love that he's doing for me more than anything else. Um, but I wanted to take this opportunity, Kyle, and just say thank you, man, for what you do for the church. And I know you don't do it for personal accolades. You don't do it to be thanked. Uh, any spotlight on you, you would always push towards other people. But I think you need to know how honored we are and how blessed we are as a church to have your giftedness the skills that you have, the insight that you have. It's an honor to work with you, man. And I love, love, love being able to call you a friend and a brother in Christ. Hopefully this is not too hot. One of the other reasons why I love Kyle um, is that I've just gotten the opportunity to get to know him. And him and I have gone out for coffee um, many times just to talk about life, talk about relationships, uh, talk about just kind of our faith and just the ups and downs and the hard things of life. He's only abandoned me one time. We had coffee set up and he didn't show up just one time, but I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to bring it up and it's totally okay. But it's been such an honor just to hear his story, to talk with him about his life and for him to ask me about mine. He's one of the few people that every time we meet says, Aaron, what can I be praying for you about? And you'd be surprised how little and how not often that happens. And every time we meet, he always says, Aaron, what can I pray for you about? And I have no doubt that he prays for me and my family. So Kyle, again, this is just a, a weird and awkward way of just telling you something hopefully you already know. But I, I just love you, man. And I'm so honored and blessed to call you a friend 
and call you a brother in Christ. And I thank you for the honor of letting me wash your feet today. All of you too, Aaron. Thank you. just say one more verse before I close out. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you for this day, and I want my prayer to be simple and to the point. I pray, Lord, that each and every person here today with us would be inspired to follow you, Lord, that we may come to meet you as our personal Lord and Savior, Lord. And as we come to come to know you as our Lord and Savior, and as you transform and change our lives, I pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage, that you would give us the strength, that you would give us the empowerment and the anointing to go out and to love those around us, to love the people that you have placed in our life, to look for opportunities to affirm, to encourage, to celebrate, Lord, who people are, their stories, their life, the image of God that is inside each and every one of them, Lord, so that we can truly see heaven meet earth. We can see the kingdom of God and so that we can truly experience our identity in you. I thank you, Lord. Let it be tangible moments. Let it be small moments. Let us look for ways to not go crazy, not be too dramatic, just to love those around us. Heavenly Father, Lord, send your Holy Spirit upon this church and continually give us the opportunities and the courage, Lord, to follow you, to love one another, and to give ourselves for our neighbors. We thank you, Lord, and in your name we pray. Amen.